I don't know. We haven't seen like major names disappear yet, but. Welcome to Game of Notes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Game of Nodes, the uh, podcast about the cosmos. <laughs> hosted by individual validators. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you missed a bit. 68 yeah, episodes? Not here. I don't have the words in front of me. So welcome to the potty. Uh, we were just musing about what in the hell we we're going to talk about today because uh, it has been pretty darn quiet on most fronts. And... Uh, yeah, so I guess, uh, guys, we were talking about potentially it being quiet enough and people bleeding cash for long enough that maybe people are starting to leave. It's um, it's pretty quiet out there. the The discords are fucking ghost towns. Yeah. The uh, I well, I don't have Twitter. I deleted it, so uh, I don't know what's going on over there. Ah, yeah, man. I did you really good for you. So, for, I, for, I like, for what? For Kingdoms or for Null Memes? I, I still have the accounts. I only post uh, if I need to okay. go in there and post and then get the fuck out because reading uh, Twitter for me is like pretty depressing these days. Yeah. I have a habit of just like walking away from things that I don't like. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I decided back in 2010 that I didn't like the news. So I ripped the antenna off my house and I haven't watched free to wear TV <laughs> since. <laughs> You're not missing much there. No, I, I do the same thing. Like, I, if I get pinged on something, maybe I'll check in. But like, if I go back and just like scroll through, I'm instantly turned off in like two seconds. So, well, I found that look, while I was at the gym, I was scrolling through Twitter in between sets, and yeah. it was making me angry. So I had yeah, to get yeah, rid yeah. of the uh, the the app. Yeah, I mean, granted, it was particular people that were making me angry, but you know, as a whole. It uh, didn't seem to be healthy for the old um, noggin, so I said, "Ah, fuck it, let's get let's get rid of this." Yeah, there's some I still follow, like a lot. Like I still get, like I for some reason I have golden ratio. Like I love that guy's Twitter account. It always it always makes me laugh, and like I think that this commentary is like right on. And, it, and so I it, he's I only get pinged on a few different few different things. So he's always one I get pinged on just because it always makes me laugh. But yeah, but you got to stay away from the other side. You just have to stay away from the just the constant shit show. Yeah, I mean, I, I like always, to go ahead. Well, I, I always tried to like avoid blocking and muting people as well, like mm-hmm. so you'd have the full picture. But then I realized that there's just so many fucking knobs out there that are just being knobs for engagement and yeah. ruining my day at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> just get out of the room, I guess, and then go out uh, and get some fresh air and uh, and spend more time doing work. <laughs> My uh, my favorite Twitter to follow is the lady that did um, but does what is it Web three is going great yeah there it is oh yeah yeah, yeah by yeah. Molly White Molly White I follow her and I think she has I don't entirely agree with her obviously because you know I run a validator but I think that she has very uh, acute observations she does that for me it's like she gets ninety percent of the way there and then like that last ten percent she just kind of doesn't quite sell it on for me but right. Yeah, Reese says I only have null block too much drama. I, somewhat true. Yeah. I oh understand. shit, we've got a we've got a celebrity in the house. <laughs> Juno's love. <laughs> yeah, that website's great. Um, I'll put a link to the shows for folks who don't know it. Um, but it is a bit depressing. I will say that. But if you if you Google like Web three is going great, there's it's just 
basically just news about you know not the not the positive side of this. Oh, so oh, it's yeah, like no. it, is it is it satire or no? Oh, it's no, no, it's no, not no, satire. It's not there. It, it, it just calls like, out like like either breaches, things going out of business, uh, scams, like hacks. all basic. The Web three is going great. That part, that title, definitely sarcasm. <laughs> that part's definitely sarcasm. Mm-hmm. But it's a good site. A couple of I headings mean, for it are Binance ordered to halt operations in Belgium that it talks about a little bit. One point two five million stolen in two months in Polygon NFT phishing scheme. Prime Trust halts withdrawals as acquisition falls through, and then it's trust put into a receivership. So it's like a lot of it is actual things that are going on that show that Web three is like it's dangerous. got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> Book, bookmarking. This is I, I like the way they've got it laid out, like a like a yeah. little timeline. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that little total in the bottom of, of total dollars lost. About oh, that? yeah, twelve point six four two billion at this point. Yeah, good. I, I think it's a lot includes- lower than it should be. I wonder if that includes Mount Gox. I don't know how far back it goes. It's not that. It's, I mean, I think it's, it's only like, a couple of years, right? Yeah, isn't that bad? Yeah. But you can uh, you can also search like you can you could focus it down just to Cosmos if you want, um, which is pretty cool. Oh, so you can filter it up. Ooh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, it's under blockchain. It's not that. It's actually not that much under there because because oh. block Cosmos is one chain. No, uh, I think it's ecosystem. Ego. This is ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monero holders plan a bank run what terra, terra accidentally transfers 36 million of se- in seized funds to inaccessible wallet <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's just it's just a yeah dang it yeah, right under the news yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's anyway, newsworthy this is uh yeah i stopped i stopped watching this actually <laughs> it gets to be a little bit too much oh god too funny uh yeah, so on the um, on the plus side though, there is there is some pretty promising. Well, I mean, bigger type networks, I guess, coming to and test netting in the cosmos at the moment. Like who? So, no, who are you saying? Who's testing uh, coming up? Well, Alio is talked about. <laughs> Alio, there's like Al- Didiax or something like that. <laughs> Didiax, <laughs> Alio, and Didiax. Aleo, Aleo, Alio. Aleo. Aleo. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I I have a habit of pronouncing things wrong, I've noticed. Uh, I'm I'm getting corrected a lot. You put the lately. emphasis on the on the wrong syllable? Yeah, definitely emphasis on the wrong syllables. Mm-hmm. Um well say net uh say say network. Wait, it, wait, wait, wait. hold on. Yeah. Alio isn't Cosmos. No. That's 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 EVM. Yeah. It's a new L one. Is it L one? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It is. Yeah, it's uh, not. It's not Tendermint based. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's different. A Leo, <laughs> a Leo, a, Le- a Leo. Uh, pronounced with a long M. Thanks, Funky. So that that Didix one is, uh, I guess, testnetting very soon, or has testnetted, right? That's so. That's just moving across because they're getting moving to their own Tendermint based chain. That's pretty cool. Launched last night, I believe. Yeah, and uh, and already has some. Some big players in there, the big names. And some small ones. And the couples. Really. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, uh, mostly the, the ones people know about. <laughs> the ones with Twitter accounts and shit. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, and then uh, what else is coming on? Oh, man. You know what? Like, I haven't really been keeping up with all of the 
the te- test nets that have been going. I saw Pokachu mentioned one the other day that was a, a newie. Um, if I can find the dang chat. So, choo choo choo. No, no idea. Yeah. What other ones we talked about? So, Tenant is Tendermint based, but an EVM compatible chain that, that's gone to Testnet recently, just in the last few weeks, maybe a month, a little bit more than that. Um, obviously, we talked about Aleos, that, that's L1 um, on the EVM side. Uh, DYDX just launched her testnet. That's pretty exciting, actually. Say has been in testnet for uh, obviously a long time, right? But we hear that there's rumblings about maybe getting closer to some sort of thing that may resemble mainnet at some point here in 2023, we hope. Yeah, um, let's, let's hope for an announcement. There's a lot. That. I mean, I mean, that's two major, I mean, both Say and DYDX is two major exchanges launching with tendermint based chains in one year, which is which is maybe not great for both of them, but but still good for the ecosystem and good for the technology. So, so it um, is. It's it's two big boys, and they're both like in the same category. I would say, like pretty pretty firmly in the same category, and yeah. even like even maybe uh, in the same category as um, Injective as well. So that could be an interesting shakeup. Hey, it might just bring more attention to that. You know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, DYDX is also bringing. I mean, they're they're replatforming, so they're bringing across a pretty massive user base, right? Where say is say is basically launching fresh, so they're trying to attract projects and other types of things that be able to take advantage of that. So, I mean, it is pretty exciting with DYDX because there's now native USDC through Noble, which they can IBC directly to, and they've already got a massive massive user base. So, and they're going to expose all of those users through I, IBC. They, right. Immediately, they'll be um, IBC with Noble anyway for USDC. So, is Say think, doing that? I would assume, right? Uh, I'm not I mean, I sure. Would, I don't know how I mean, that works. I mean, obviously, it's IBC. I mean, obviously, they can IBC no different than anything else. I just don't know how it would be if it would what the UI, what the UI would be on on uh, within the app for that. Yeah, well, I mean, they say don't have their own UI, right? It's all uh, like launch partners, so uh, I guess yeah. anyone can implement it. Um, it's permissionless Wasm, so anyone can uh, start a protocol. But uh, sorry, I just I stopped while I was thinking there because uh, anyone can open IBC channels anyway, right? The IBC channels aren't permissioned, so it's easy enough to do. Right. And the other thing to think about, um, and I'm not sure, like I think this has buzzed past a lot of people, but um, Kava is, did I say that right? Kava? Kava. 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 Kava's bringing um, native USDT. So uh, that's going to be launching, I think, like in the first week of July. It's also a hell of a thing to do, like to choose Kava over... Basically, anything else is just outrageous <laughs> to me. Yeah, I'd love to hear the backstory on that, right? Like, they must have, how did that, do they put off that to bid or something? Or like, are they, like, how did that work in terms of USDT actually selecting a uh, IBC enabled chain in the Cosmos? And anybody know? Like, that would be, that, that, I'd be cur- curious what that story looks like. Cause I agree, like, that, like out of nowhere, right? It seems like it probably went like this. Carver Foundation went to USDT people. Hey, do you know USDC is coming to Cosmos natively? 
do you want to do the same? Hey, we've got a chain. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was proactive, it right? We make blocks. <laughs> right. And they're and like, to be fair, like, they are one of the higher cosmos chains up there. They're like number, what, a hundred or something versus, you know, secret like 250, I think. For TBL, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's that, that a, that's kind of a, I'd be interested in what the IBC numbers are with that, but I, I, is that just a benefit of being early? A bit? I don't know. I'd say so. Like, objectives above it. So you think objective <laughs> might be better, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah. I wonder how many active users are on Kava. I, it, it just comes up so free, un, infrequently with other validators that we talk to. Um, but that happens, really, on a, that happens on a bunch of Cosmos chains, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like different ecosystems within the ecosystem type of idea. Like, Mediblock has a pretty decent um, TVL. Uh, well, not TVL. What is it? Um, market cap, yeah. and it's it's not very heard of. Sorry, can you guys hear me? All right, my my microphone yep. is like further away than what it usually is. Yeah, it's fine. Um, well, you have announcer voice on because you're in the you're in the upper left, so that makes a big difference. That that activates announcer voice. It does. It does. I think when you're in the upper left, you have to. Goddamn! Yeah, you got to step up. Come on, from the closet. I do it for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, good. Um, so, like, to me, though, you know, maybe, I don't know, I would have thought something more like Injective would have been a better place or yeah. maybe even jam it on Noble with USTC. <laughs> at, right. least, well, at least yeah. all your eggs are in one basket then. Nothing could possibly go wrong. I'm sure it'd be fine. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was surprising. Like, I'm glad, I mean, again, we, we've always talked about the the importance of, like, native stable coins in this ecosystem to actually have something um, – as a as a way to ins- encourage growth, and so having both one native as a chain and one come in, however it's happening through Kava, I think is a positive thing. So I, you know, we can't. No matter how they get here, I think it doesn't have to be set in stone. That's to be the only way that that USDT shows up here as well. So, but but the idea that that you have some stable showing up here, um, I think that's that's positive, right? Can't can't complain about that. It's funny that if you go back like maybe five or six years. And mentioned to stable coins, they're all like, ah, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> everyone hated stables, especially USDT. Like everyone, the, 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 um, the line was, uh, about the auditing and, you know, that they're just going to fold and steal all your money. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> same with USDC and audits and the sentiment around stable coins, although everybody used them, the sentiment around them was like not great, and now we're all like sitting here fucking begging for them no, to come. No, don't get me wrong. I still think they could fold and take all our money. Like <laughs> that, that that risk is still there, but our bar is much lower now in terms of in terms of desire. So I think it's it is what it is. But um, yeah, well, after I was, the previous I, USDC, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So after the previous USDC, depegging for you know the weekend. It puts such a different light on USDT. Um, I had USDC and I ended up selling a bit of it at like 97 cents because I was like, I've already lost out on Terra. Like I'm not, I'm not taking not that risk again. again. Yeah. yeah. So like even at a three 3% loss, like there was no question that I was selling it. So got rid of it. But Terra didn't, or not Terra, Tether didn't. Tether didn't depeg. And that's such an interesting thing that like we were, we, the greater we, like had this idea that because USDC was like somewhat backed by like banks more officially, but that right. also means it's it's 
it's super um, like taken out the knees because of it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit too dramatic, but it put a different light on, on USDT for me. Yep. Yeah. Well, I don't know. yeah, I think, I think the, the D peggings are like more a function of the AMMs. So like USDC has depegged a bunch of times and so is USDT. And it's mostly because I think uh, like when you get, like USDC was trading above a dollar when everyone was freaking out uh, a couple of weeks ago with the SEC crap when everybody was like selling their shit into stable coins. Um, and I guess like fast forward a week or so, then we're going the other way. Everyone's like selling off their USDC to get back in. Yeah. So if you do that in a um, in a like CEX, then I think the mechanisms work a little bit better there to keep it pegged at a dollar um, because of the speed of those net uh, speed of those databases and all the arbitrators in there um, and market makers. So I mean, it may like. If you're if you're savvy and can program, it makes sense just to sit there and take all of the action where a coin is not at its proper value. So, like, I would if if I had the time and the and the know how, I would make a bot and buy it up anywhere it was outside a dollar, and then sell it off anytime it was above a dollar because it makes sense. It's a stable coin, right? And yeah. that's a pretty easy like. Arb in the one ecosystem, you can do that. But because of AMMs, I think that that's like, unless you're um, got some pretty effective MEV, uh, then they can like temporarily depeg. And I guess that proliferates through to um, like CoinGecko and and that type of stuff as well. So, what do you mean, what do you mean it proliferates through? Uh, it's probably the wrong word. Like filters through, like propagates. Yeah, propagates. Uh, through the databases up oh, to just to showing that it's just yeah, 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 like it shows yeah. there. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. But if you look at the history of um I might just do it now, have a look at CoinGecko and look at the history of USDC, it's gonna be all over the place. You know, yeah. I just checked and it's not as over the place as you'd expect. Yeah. Um it doesn't really show like USDC went down to I think eighty nine cents and it's not showing that anymore. It shows ninety six cents. Mm-hmm. So it might be at, it might be at the granularity too because I think I remember that that tool set also depending on what the time frame is it'll it rounds things off pretty hard so if, if it went down to eighty nine for like you know half a day or something it might just actually just average it out to whatever yeah that's what it seems like it did but yeah during that day when it was in the eighties it didn't feel like you know ninety six and a half cents which is right. right. like the biggest that it ever reached um, so I don't even back know. in March it definitely had a fucking stumble. This year, yeah, the March was whenever it uh, went down to eighty-nine cents or eighty-eight cents. Yeah, yeah. So if you you can tighten it up to that time frame in the Just little bar down the in. bottom, and you can see there's definitely like for whatever reason there was a shitload of volume around that time. So, well, that I was get- whenever SVB went down, Silicon Valley Bank, and so people mm-hmm. were freaking out and they're trying to get out, and then we realized that like we couldn't um, redeem USDC right now, like Coinbase had closed it. So that it kind of became a vessel, I suppose. Man, that is low too. That is eighty six cents. That's a big discount. It went down to eighty six. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it looks about uh, about eighty seven 
I, I can't get right in that. Oh, 89. Hang on. Let me tighten I, it up a bit more. I got to say, that's a that's a big balls blockchain move to buy USDC at 87 cents. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not have that in Especially <laughs> like in big volume too. Like if exactly. I got a hundred thousand. I got a half a million. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to buy USDC at 87. It got out to about 88, 87.8. That that's yeah. a big balls yeah. blockchain move right there. If you can do that. I don't like the, uh, I don't like the, the coin gecko interface and charting. I don't I really even know where they, like do you know, do they list what exchanges are pulling that from? <clears throat> I don't know. If oh if yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you okay. scroll down, it shows you all the exchanges they're talk They, they okay. are using. And usually like, they, they would weight those as well. Cause like we pull, yep. we, we pulled coin gecko prices for, uh, on the, Chainlink side, but but um, I know it's like a mix of different types of op, you know different exchanges. I'm just curious because like there's well, it comes from all of the markets, right? Well, especially no. now there could be massive discrepancies between exchanges on some of these types of things. Yes, depending yeah. on what the reserves are and how, what the trading is and everything else, like you could have a wide, wide, wide gap between exchanges on on what on for something like that. So it looks like <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting pool. It looks like uh, the biggest. By far is uh, Binance that they're pulling well, from. Not yeah, by far, that makes but sense. the biggest is Binance. Yeah, that makes sense. So the second biggest sense. is Bybit, and I think they, they must weight those somehow. I don't even know what the hook they do there, but they must weight that based on the volume or something like that. They actually get a reasonable price. So if it, like if Kraken has ten, you know, five percent of the volume, but it, but the price moves much farther, I'm guessing it's not e- equally weighted across everything else. Like they must look at volume or something similar to that. I but, must admit, I've never heard of Bybit, and it's got the second highest volume, and it's a lot of volume. I um, have heard of that. Isn't that? Um, I don't think we can use it here in the US. I remember, actually. But the the not. biggest pool is the USDC USDT pool. Really? Like, trading pair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fucking arbitrage all day on that shit. Yeah, just arb those plus minus point zero 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 one. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's well, yeah. I mean, what do you like if you are arbing it? What do you what do you arb it with? Like, it's either got to be U.S. dollars or some other stable, right? Yeah, no, you're arbing between you're those two, and you're just like, you're just you're probably just yeah, you're taking half a million dollars and throwing it back and forth between those two as they fluctuate up and down, and just trying to keep growing it. Yeah, taking into account the the um, maker and taker fee, though, uh, you'd have to have a pretty decent spread. You would, yeah, yeah. Or you're, um, or you're not on the exchange, like yeah. Well, no, you have to be. Yeah, good point. I don't know. So I'm not, I'm not a coder, right? I wrote my own Arb bot back in uh, 2017 mm-hmm. uh, for shits and giggles in uh, Python when I was just learning how to use Python, and um, it was fun, man. Trying to like, it was more fun working out how to do it like effectively than uh, actually like using it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so there was like a bunch of problems back then. And one of them was that like the stable coins weren't so prolific, right. And they weren't, uh, like in Australian exchanges specifically mostly. Yeah. And so, um, when you were arbing, you'd have to have like a pool of coins on both or a bunch of exchanges that you wanted to arb between. Cause at the moment, uh, at that time, right. There was like, a lot of buy pressure coming from Australia with people trying to get into the um, to the market, right? And uh, like they didn't have access to Binance, they didn't have access to Kraken and everything back then. It was only like 
a handful of exchanges in Australia, unless you like mm-hmm. once you had gotten your fiat in, then you could go and do like degen shit anonymously on other CEXs where you just need an email address type thing. Um, but the Australian ones, yeah, there was the only entry point was through our exchanges and um, they were expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what you had to do if you wanted to arbit is you'd have to do Forex as well. So you would have to like calculate risk um, based on, you know, sort of a range in Forex of how much it could move over a couple of weeks historically um, yeah. or a couple of days or whatever the it takes to actually do a Forex transfer from Australia to like a US bank account. Uh, getting a US bank account was the other thing or being able to like put in Australian dollars into uh, USD exchange, uh, US exchange or like a USD supported exchange yeah, um, or any other fucking exchange anywhere else. Um, so then you had to like look at getting foreign bank accounts in Australia with USD currency that could transfer to those. A lot of banks were like blacklisting um, exchanges and any transfers to exchanges. Uh, they were like debanking people as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then it was like the other thing was the the depth of uh, pools. So you couldn't just take the headline value like the last traded. You would have to like look into the um, book and see like what kind of volume you could push up and down the book before you lose your spread, which was kind of interesting as well. <laughs> and like all these different factors. In the end, like I never finished it and it was <laughs> too scary to press go on. <laughs> But I did well. It was it was the forex was was too hard um, to yeah. reliably like. There was too much risk in that time because sure, it sure. wasn't like sending sending a USDC from your wallet in the Australian exchange over to like your own wallet and then into like Binance or something like that. It's like two days in the ether or three days in the ether while it's transferring over. So you got you got all this like forex risk. And at the same time, like during that period, you've got like the risk of your assets in these pools as well, or like in this other um, currency, um, because you sort of have to hold both. You have to buy in and sell out of both at the same time, and then whichever ones are becoming depleted, you have to like send token over there or or fiat, depending on what's getting depleted. So, yeah, I yeah. actually wrote a bot in twenty twenty and did something like. Uh, between four and eight million dollars in volume over the course of about six months, I made like ten thousand dollars off of it. <laughs> so I was like, nah, and it was like many hundreds of thousands of transactions. So and the, the tax man shows up at your fucking door with like, a briefcase hey. full of paper. I want to talk yeah, about so these transactions, Schultzy? <laughs> I had to, I had to print off all the transactions, and it was literally like this thick of paper. Because oh, like they wanted like every single line item, and then I had to pay like six thousand dollars to maybe Crypto Coin Tracker or something in order to process all of them. Like it ended up being like super like <laughs> it was fun. Learned. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was, like, I enjoyed writing it, but man, like the payoff was not there. I'm obviously not a good enough data scientist to to pull that off. But yeah. So as far as mine went, was I would run it and just log all of the opportunity like over weeks just to see that it wasn't freaking out and uh, doing like random stuff. And then the market sort of fell apart. And then I was like, yeah, enough. Nah. <laughs> nah. Back to the day job. 
<laughs> I don't know why everything's shit in the bed today. Like we, the U.S. market has had a pretty flat day, but like coins today are just taking a, a bit of a shit. Ethereum's down three percent, and Aptos at eight percent today. Ethereum, uh, Cosmos is down. Osmosis is down. Juno's down. Stargate's taking a real dump today. Juno's down. Jesus, <laughs> can, can you believe That's it? A bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> ATL off the ACL. The slow. Yeah, twenty five and a half cents. Like, uh, why wouldn't you be shorting Juno? Like, was there money in shorting it? You can short it on MXC, I think. Is there money? Of course, <laughs> it goes down <laughs> religiously. Well, that's got to be a. That's got to be it. Yeah. Anyway, maybe Reese knows. Reese, should we short uh, Juno? No, don't do Bit- that. <laughs> Bitcoin just about getting back underneath thirty thousand dollars again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Everything was looking good. Of course, anytime I put a sell order in, even if it's a limit at point zero 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 one more than what the current price is, no matter what, it fucking retreats from there. That's like my ability to pick the alt- the the high for that for that week is un- it's a thousand for a thousand. It's a mess. Wow. Yeah, everything is down. It's uh, I I can't sell anything at the moment anyway. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's just too painful to like sell anything that's cheap. I, I even honestly, this is awful. But it, it, at least in the Cosmos chains that we run, I haven't even pulled rewards. Like I haven't even been, I haven't really been compounding that much. I haven't done not too much in anything in terms of in terms. Of I have left been, all of my rewards just sitting, probably a couple of months. Yeah, and I mean that's well, most of them, but that's mostly a function of like tax time is coming up. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I don't want the liability. I want a transaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. uh I just leave it till next financial year. Yeah. Oh man, everything like the stock market took a fucking fat dump last week here, like a real big fatty. What are the big stocks in Australia? What do you guys what, what do you what do you follow? Like banking? BHP. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, miners and banks over here are big, but I'm not really yeah. invested in any of them. Uh, my my stocks are more like medical stocks, some some tech stuff. Um Supermarkets, blue chips, that type of shit. Retail shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> what, what about breaking rocks? Is there no breaking rock stock? I thought that was the thing. Breaking rock. Breaking rocks. I thought you said that that was like the biggest export is that you take rocks, you break them down, and you ship them to other places. That's literally what you said. Oh, yeah. We ship out dirt with iron ore. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you invest in that? What the hell? Stocks in dirt. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't invest in miners. I I had like a bad experience about ten years ago, <laughs> and uh, that was enough for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, what was it? I can't remember. I, I bought. So I had simultaneously a very good experience and a very bad one at the same time. Um, I think I bought like a bunch of mining contractors or something, or and then they took a fat dump at the yep. end of two thousand and thirteen or something, which kind of like shook my boat a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I made all that back up almost exactly with one that went well. So, right, it's like the VC mentality, right? You just sort of fucking throw them out there you to a couple of there. You only need That's one right. to come good. That's right. And when you, yeah. and the biggest piece of that is you have to know when it's good. Mm. And take advantage of when it's good. That's it. That's the harder part too. I know you guys were talking about that a little bit last week when, when Funky was on too, around, around, uh, I think you guys had a conversation around the, um, you know, like the winners that you had or like when you got lucky on specific type of things or when you sold at 200% or 400%, right? Um, and I think there was a combination of comments around, 
either did not sell at the right time or sold too early, uh, <laughs> right? Like like you sold Ethereum at uh, up 100% or 200%, but honestly, that's a huge win. You just got to go find the next one, right? Or go do it again. Um, and so I, I do you, the same thing in TradFi. Like, me too, me too. Yeah. Dude, bu- buying low is really easy. Knowing when to sell is extremely hard. Like- apocalyptically hard like it like it's extremely hard to figure out what is the right time to get to get to get rid of something because you don't want to be missing out right and if you find the right time and like you're dcaing up and something and everything else but but again like anytime that you sell something for a hundred percent a hundred percent of profit on something or you double your money fucking put your feet up on the desk right and go on to the next one and like, you can't look back at that and be like oh fuck i missed on bitcoin but if you bought it 400 and sold 800 that's still a good goddamn trade right so the the part i struggle with <clears throat> when investing in like my own entity my my personal entity my own name is um and it's you know similar with validating and shit you incur like a tax liability when you sell yes. your shares right sure so t- strictly talking about TradFire. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I sort of start thinking to myself like, okay, it's up 300% or 400% or whatever, but if I sell it, then I'm going to be sacrificing 15% to the – because after you've owned something for 12 months in Australia, you get like a 50% capital gains discount. Same with us. So you're like, all right, I'm going to be sacrificing like half of whatever your non-tax rate is. So say if you're paying 30 cents in the tax – you're going to be paying 15 cents in the dollar um, when you sell it, sell it. You incur that tax liability. You're like, can I recycle this in the meantime mm-hmm. and make another meaningful gain? Or on the flip side, what is the chances that this is actually going to go down 15% and not keep going up? So, um, yeah. you know, because you instantly lose 15% of it when you when you fuck it off. So uh, Yeah, you, you lose – correct, correct. You, you lose 15% on the profit – of what you yeah. made, not not on, not on the whole amount. Well, if you're going at multiples, then the initial outlay becomes insignificant. You might as well just count the whole thing as profit. Yeah, but if right. you're going if you're going at multiples and fifteen percent, who gives a fuck, right? That's the whole yeah. thing. It's like you get in a situation where oh, there he is. So you get in situations where you're 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 saying like, you know, like you you'd rather hold on to it where it drops a hundred percent and you go a fuck versus taking a fifteen percent tax hit on on something that's a, a major gain. So. I, I agree, and it's also it, you're not taking a hundred percent. You're not taking a hundred percent of fifteen percent. That that amount goes into the overall thing of what you're doing. So if you're selling and buying on a couple different things, if you have some losers or whatever else, it all evens out, right? Or it doesn't even out, but you know what I mean. Like it all goes into the mix. So it's not yeah, like you're just making fifteen percent, like whatever. Like I, so, I definitely harvest those fucking losers right before tax time too. Well, everybody <laughs> does, right? Like like same thing in TradFi or even like in this in this business too. You want to be able to take advantage of that, right? So I'm but, pretty sure that's why our stock market took a fucking huge dump last week. What? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting actually. Well, that's why it happens in the US too, is because people there's a little bit there's some rules around that here in the traditional finance area, which those rules do not exist within crypto here. Um, no rules exist within crypto here, but but there, there's nothing around the idea of being able to sell losers and then buying them the next day. Uh, like I, there is I in think the there thing. is some rules around that here in yeah. that you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to sell them and immediately buy them back right. or even I, the next day. I'm sure that exists here too, but like what does immediate mean? And like, does that and mean who like- who is you, fucking going right. to like go through all the ledges and go- ah, Right, right. Or if I if you, I if I sell it back. here and I buy it someplace else, like no, nobody's so fucking tracking that shit. Zone, we're back. <laughs> well, you're not here, so what so, the fuck? Well, yeah. 
You weren't here so to keep I think, the I ship this on is the track. Reason for, isn't this the reason that you have asset pools? So uh, if you have like a pool of X shitcoin and a pool of Y shitcoin, then if you reduce the pool of your X shitcoin like the day before tax day, and then you were then to buy them back a couple of days later because you're only dealing with that, the delta on that pool, you would then just immediately... Oh, but you would know. But I guess the thing is, you'd still harvest a capital gain. You would harvest a capital gain. No, you would create a capital gain loss for the year before, but then you would pick it up. So if then if it went back up, you would just be recording yeah. a different delta against the same pool, right? So well, you have a new you have a new cost basis. I mean, if I, if, you, if I sell yeah, it only today, the delta matter, only the delta matters for working out your taxes in correct. an individual year. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, you have a different cost basis, but mm-hmm. the government is always going to get paid. Whatever happens. If if you actually take dollars off the table and you're making money, yes, that's the idea. But yeah. again, but like, the other thing is like I can't believe we're back on tax. But like what I've what I always what I've always like you want to be smarter on tax, but I would never make financial decisions based on the tax consequences associated with that in those types of situations. Like that's the same thing, like people say like selling a business or like we're making too much money. Yes, you're taking dollars, but you're also taking dollars off the table and paying a percentage of that. And trying to avoid that and 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 bypassing the ability to make a profit for the purposes of tax is to me a bit ridiculous. Like like you want to be tax smart. Don't get me wrong. Like there there are clearly strategies around reducing tax tax structure around that. But the idea of like making my investment decisions based on the tax consequences, where I am putting myself at more risk or I am reducing my rewards because of that is different. So. I, I think you absolutely. I think you absolutely should include tax in your consideration, whether you're taking profits on. Like yeah. it, it's a part of the conversation in your head. It's a part of conversation. That's true. Yeah, like it's you know one is the you know how is the company doing? Like what is its future prospects? Has it is it mooning and you should get out or you know all these other things that you you like think about when you when you're doing your maths on their revenue and um, you know their market how that market's going, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things is tax, you know, you got to no, consider it. Is. It, it yeah. is, but, but like to say, like to say to like, Hey, this thing is at 400%, but I don't want to sell it because I'm worried about the tax consequence. That's fucking ridiculous, dude. No, but it, yeah, like, it's, it's definitely not the only part of the conversation, full, but yeah, it is part of it. 15%, yeah. right? Like yeah. that it's time to, it's time to get it the fuck off. But I like, but selling is selling is really, is really fucking challenging. Because but that that fifteen so, is sometimes so thirty percent, thirty-five percent. You know, forty percent depends on on where your bracket sits. But um, from a quick Google, by the way, the reason that there probably is no rule around crypto is because of the holding period thing, right? Which doesn't <clears throat> there's no rule around that, to my understanding of U.S. tax law in this area, which makes it slightly different. And the the wash trading rules. From a, again, from a quick look, are different in different countries based on they how are. they capital gains tax. Right, right. Where if they don't have something like you know distinction based on period that you hold it, which a lot of countries don't, then as long as you don't literally, a lot of countries do seem to have like a thirty day cool down, just so you can't do like blatant stock market manipulation. Would be my assumption, like because you could be a really big company deep in your own stock, and you could do really bad stuff. I guess like, but that's so insider that's trading. And like, yeah. but insider is insider trading illegal in every country? My guess is no. 
No, I think it. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Well, most um, most most um, first world established economies it would be. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get Google this. I'm, I'm kind of quite, quite one would hope. I'm curious. Yeah. One would hope. Like in in Australia, if you if you hold stocks in a company, even if you're a fucking employee, you can only trade them in Windows. There's only certain windows you can trade them in to avoid like insider trading. Yeah, and that's because of like reporting season and what people know coming up to reporting season. Um, if there's like any merger acquisition or anything like that, like corporate actions, um, they, they actually have to announce a window that you can like buy and sell the shares in. I had to Google if Australia was first world, but it is. <laughs> we are we're developing, man. We sell fucking rocks. Isn't that like a weirdly not PC statement now or something? What, first What's world? That? Yeah. No, first I, world, what, what I mean is like a very established economy and financial system. No, you know, I know, I know, I know. Developed. But it's like first world's like Western country, second world's like no, Russian that, influence, third no. country is hey, so, so it turns out the rules on a company doing weird stuff with its own shares it's a lot more complicated like what is legal and what isn't legal and there's looks like definitely some stuff that's borderline but not quite insider trading that a company can do and it's just like well hmm they might have a good reason for doing that it kind of seems like in general like the rules are all about like systemic stability like if a company starts doing something that's obviously just to mess with the merger rules or competition rules or whatever that it's prob it's probably maybe illegal but i think it usually depends if uh in the countries where the leadership is doing the same thing and if they've gotten caught in that same thing and so if they have gotten caught then therefore it's illegal if they haven't got caught then usually they you know kind of work through it yeah to be fair that's why money laundering is so crazy legal and easy in the uk <laughs> because it's like anything that the upper class might need to do like, to shuffle around money or manipulate elections using like you know entrenched hey, right. money and influence it's just like well well you know city of london dodgy company in the british virgin islands totally legit um you can you can do that shit you can do right. whatever you want hey russian oligarchs you want to do the same thing yeah come on city of london be our fucking guest then once, but, once they don't need it then it's like oh hey what the fuck are you guys doing like this is, this is bullshit the hell yeah this it's like it's like whoa hold on a second hold on a second people hold on a fucking second trade unions wait, wait you want what? to not be fired without cause whoa that's definitely illegal that's let's, let's try and outlaw that shit you're like Hey, you guys are literally selling the company to Russian gangs, uh, the country to Russian gangsters, and somehow that's legal. But over here, you can't protest. So you have no right to protest or something like. Mm -hmm. What the hell? It's like you have one rule for the super rich, and yeah, you know, whatever. That's crazy. Anyway, who, who the thunk it? But um, that's hey, kind of so like a, you know, it's kind of like a web three. Uh, we, we had Null's, we had Null's news corner last week. I'm wondering if you guys covered the fact that between the last episode. And this episode, there was a coup in Russia, <laughs> and then a counter coup. By the way, I was listening to that live. I was fucking laughing my ass off. He's like, Null's News Corner. I was expecting this Cosmos news. He's like, no, let me tell you about the supermarket story. I was like, what the fuck? And Schultz is like, oh, you mean like the news? Like, <laughs> like, I was laughing my ass off. I was like, holy shit, we're going through Australian fucking supermarket news of somebody throwing cans of peas at somebody else i know right <laughs> I, was like, I was like holy shit how bad how bad is the fucking bear that of course going forward we will start doing some crypto news 
But, uh, you know, I was on the spot last week. It's all I could think about. People <laughs> like like each other. Let, me, let me tell you about this lady. <laughs> well, I, I was looking in uh, newspapers from like 100 years ago. <laughs> and, man, newspapers back then were amazing. Like half of the newspaper is Johnny Silver came to town last week. One line. And the next line, David visited his mother. It's amazing. It's like, it's like I love newspapers. School, old school, early Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. Like early Twitter was early Twitter was the same thing. Like my brother came to see me. I had corn for dinner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a nice, such a nice innocent time before. Now it's I, like, fuck you, you fucking open source I, motherfucker. Yeah, I, remember, like, I remember Twitter in like 2010. It was amazing. Was like actually, genuinely, really good. It, like, I met, it was like there were loads of people on the music scene in in um, in Manchester that I didn't know particularly well because I was studying there at the time. And I just like followed people who I vaguely was aware of their band or like maybe we'd played with ones or something like that. And suddenly I had like all of these people that kind of, I guess like you're one step of remove from on the same music scene. And then suddenly you just like know everybody. And then you go to a gig and you're like, Hey, we all know each other from Twitter. And everyone's like, Hey, and it was like, Oh my God, we've actually made real life friends on the internet. This is amazing. (laughs) Um, and then you like flash forward a few years and it's like this ruined hellscape. And you're like, like I mean, like, like I literally, I met people that I went and lived with for like a period of time. Like I knew them from Twitter and ended up living with them when I needed a place to stay. Like I can't emphasize how wholesome and useful it was in my life. And they were really, they were a bit older than me and they were like super helpful. I had a really shit job and was going through a tough time and they were like, mad supportive cool guys who were a bit older and were like playing in a band and stuff were just like really inspirational and like that all happened from twitter and i was like this is life-changing shit it was so wholesome and then this tool is yeah, awesome fast forward a few years and i'm getting and i'm just like this is the worst website <laughs> like, i fucking hate this i fucking hate this <laughs> it's really bad for my mental health I'm like this literally this shit this <laughs> fucking website saved my ass you know i needed a place to live and i found a place to live here i fucking and hate this just the worst part i fucking of my hate day. this so much i want to build a web3 version i think we should put this on the blockchain i hate it so much <laughs> <laughs> hey look if there was a more wholesome web3 version unfortunately uh, it made a more degenerate version which which didn't solve the fundamental see you should you should put it in where if you post something and people fucking downvote you you get slashed that's what it should social hey, slashing is it social, social slashing. fucking slashing it's like prop 16 but on the blockchain i guess we, we other, really need more blog, <laughs> prop 16 it's like that prop 16 prop. where if we all gang up and you're an asshole then you just get your funds get slashed and that's it you can't post any more then you gotta like you know whatever you gotta go back to your job you gotta, you, gotta, whatever, you, gotta, you gotta go get more howl tokens and then come back and you could shit post more but it just costs you so much to shit post it's and then a- based on that as you get slashed then the the cost to post is not the gas fee. It keeps going up. It gets exponentially higher. So you can shit post, but instead of it costing me half a nickel to shit post, it costs null $8 and 50 cents a shit post. And he can make that decision if he wants to do that or not. I think that's I mean, what that it is sounds, anyway for the exchange rate, right? That's like a public good. Yeah. Right there. Holy fuck. It's getting fucking bad. solved yeah. it. So Wait, what's the, ex- what is exchange rates bad enough that you need like 50 bucks to get a beer in the U S 
Oh, well, oh, 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 Kangabuck's US bucks. Yeah. That's what you're talking about, right? The Kangabuck exchange rate. No. Yeah, I did. We're, 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 we're not talking about that at all. Some shit coin, I don't know. Um, <laughs> same, um, same. Uh, same, same. <laughs> same, same. Same, same. Um, I, I met up with a former colleague in the week and just just in trying to like they're like oh yeah what have you been doing like 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 last couple of months and just in order to explain like one anecdote i was like oh this thing happened the other week and you know when you like then say a thing and then they have none of the context and they're like you're gonna need to back up and explain what half of those words mean and then you do and they're like i don't understand why any of that is important and then you explain <laughs> it and they're like so but why is that a big deal and then you go um okay so there was this drama and then they're like but why does the drama matter and you're like Ugh. okay so the people involved in the drama and they're like why are these people so angry and you're like well number one i don't know but number two there was this other drama and then they're just like wow this really just sounds awful and you're like hmm yep yeah it's just lots of people shouting about it at each other on twitter now i think about it and they're just like do you do you still write code and i was like <laughs> I mean, I think I mostly hide under a rock to avoid Twitter drama, and I very occasionally open Emacs and write some Rust. But, but it's hard to say actually. And they were just like, "Wow, it just sounds like it's a, it's a wild west, but not in the exciting way." Right. And I was like, "What's the other way?" And they're like, "The one where you just get shot for we, no reason. We just die of dysentery, um, right? That that way. It's more of an Oregon Trail Oregon type trail of way. way. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. more, it's not- <laughs> You you were trying to get rich off shit coins, but you died of dysentery. You got shot by magnets. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Who is? All right, are we doing the drill tweet? Um. Yes. I. So I uh, Look at I. I created. I an category I will not fucking his name die. to like insane <laughs> something. Hold on, I created a new marketing for this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. I know, right? I, I know. What? Genuinely blown away. This is, what, this is what I did while I was waiting 45 minutes for you to show up. What Please is continue. That? That's I awesome. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing, right? I feel like we need some breaking news now. Oh, Here, wait, I, wait I, I created another one with breaking news. <laughs> 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 Lovely stuff. There's another one. Um, There's one more, and this show is not going to make it. So, <laughs> all right, go back to the drill two of the week. All right, no, back no, to the I, week. I actually opened a page, which is just all killer, no filler. Uh, <laughs> So I, I love the section, by the way, I love that's like the perfect hey, so go ahead, please. Section is God and religion. Perfect. And the, <laughs> the one I put my finger on is I've narrowed it down to the Church of Scientology or the United States Marines. Whichever one allows me to jerk off more in <laughs> this tiebreaker. I would say US Marines <laughs> on that the week. Honestly, if you are following along at home and you have the the drill book, <laughs> um Driven and wild since 2008. Uh, page 162 and 163. There's some there's some bangers there if you want to have a look at home. Perfect. Um, I thought we got rid of yeah. that segment actually, but also just while we're on while we're on the air as well. So uh, uh, I did a classic thing last night. Um, we had a production migration of a load of infrastructure to do. Um, so like smart people, we scheduled it in for 11 o'clock at night UK time. Um, should have waited till friday too fucking great idea it was a smashing <laughs> idea because obviously things went wrong and obviously it then blew over into early hours of the morning with page g going off it was magic absolutely sensational that's why today was such a productive day um but <clears throat> both you both usurper and schultzy 
fully fucking saved saved our chestnuts um particularly particularly as well actually so usurper plenty of sensible advice into the run-up to fucking nuking all the shit uh because we had to bring down all of our old infrastructure in this case um to do what we i guess we should probably call the switcheroo according to phrase rule of thumb that if you do anything super dodgy anything super dodgy necessitates the switcheroo mm-hmm. and as soon as you and as soon as you call something a switcheroo you know you're doing something that you shouldn't so anyway we did the switcheroo um it blew up as these things are want to do um as it turned out for reasons that were obvious in hindsight they always are um and we had a situation where we basically needed to manually resync a blockchain uh like while we were down in production and uh honestly was at the point of just like just like ah oh, there's a way of like syncing this thing in like maybe two hours three hours there's a way of syncing it in 13 hours obviously you don't want to do 13 hour one and i was completely resigned to the three hours of downtime and shortly was literally like hey wait don't you already have a copy of this data and you could with some jiggery pokery essentially it's actually like you could just rename some stuff turn off some stuff turn it back on again cross your fingers and it will probably sort itself out and shortly was 100 percent right fully saved our chestnuts we were back online in 30 minutes not three hours i'll be honest if i couldn't if it weren't for the diff thing in discord which kj nodes showed to me i wouldn't have even messaged i would have just totally left it out wait wait, what diff thing is there a diff thing in discord there is yeah absolutely yeah so if you look at the chat if you scroll up a bit you can see that you can do a diff in discord it's so cool not on your phone yeah so thank kj nodes because i wanted to use that because i just learned about it that's pretty. I cool. didn't even know you could do it. I thought that was a screenshot of a Git diff. That's pretty. That's no, pretty cool. No, isn't that awesome? Tell, I mean, but, tell um, me that was a really long explanation to really explain operator error. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I, mean, I, mean I mean, let's 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 place the blame where the blame should be. That was, yeah. So so essentially, what <laughs> happened, what happened yeah. here, right, is that we were running a node on a testnet using uh, Docker and some volumes. And on our previous version of the configuration there, we had changed it so that there was, no matter what type of node you're running, conceptually think of it like RPC, full node, archive node, validator, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The data volume would always be called the same thing, which would be called like mainnet uh, or something like that. And we had fucking changed that because reasons, we just got a, a new configuration file and not paid too much attention to the working of it, resulting in a Docker volume that wasn't called what we thought, which meant there was no data available, which meant that when the validator initialized, it was like, I guess I've got to resync this chain. Um, Big shenanigans. And uh, it was just like trying to work out what was going on. And Schultz, he was just like, it's it's fucking wrong name, lads. It's the wrong name. Pretty sure you can just just change that name thing and then it's yeah. probably gonna maybe work you know or, or you know might not work but you know you're though and it's not that there's a good right. chance it might work <laughs> it, well the thing is it's also I, I also do recognize like no offense to you but it is very easy to recommend that you just just restart it and hope for the best when it's not your node and it's not you down in production <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like you're giving me a lot of credit here when really all i said was have you tried like renaming it? Hey, have you looked at the Docker? <laughs> have you looked at the actual Docker volumes to make sure you're using the right thing? But but saying essentially saying, have you tried turning it off and turning it on again and renaming <laughs> it in between? Save two and a half hours of downtime, which honestly which, probably more. It was probably more like I'm guessing it was more like six 
Well, so the bit it. that you didn't see in uh, between me typing, oh, fuck, lads, and then Shortsy being like, uh, Is yo, have you, yeah. have you considered uh, the Church of Scientology? I mean, have you considered renaming it? Um, was that we had actually rechanged the additional state sync config and then re-sync, started resyncing, and it was syncing a lot faster. Um so let, it was it was syncing a lot faster than like whatever it was transaction outputs a second. Oh, okay. Um, so it, it was on track for more like three hours and thirteen, uh, which is is closer to the correct number one would expect. That's not uh, bad. I mean, honestly, you're sync that that is a syncing of a uh, blockchain that has been running for what nine months? What nine months? Right from Genesis. Jesus, in, it hasn't been that long, has it's it? It's October. Yeah, it was like early October, right? So it's been God. fucking nine months. Yeah, it's like one. <clears throat> yeah, am I right? I think it's like one billion six hundred thousand. No, no, no. It was no. We just we just passed one hundred fifty million or one hundred sixty one hundred sixty million versions, which is basically transactions. Versions, which are not quite. Yeah, which is a transaction. I think is really what that is. But um, yeah, but uh, but I mean, honestly, that thing it sinks pretty quick. It's like four thousand four thousand transact or four thousand blocks or four thousand versions a second or something like that. It's it moves yeah, pretty it quick. Was thinking, yeah, like e- even in slow sync it was sinking four hundred thousand every two minutes. Four four thousand. Oh oh every two minutes. Oh okay okay every two minutes. Yeah. That's not bad. Like, that's it moving. Slow yeah. when it went that was when it was slowly sinking, which means I think when it's slow syncing, it's not applying the transaction outputs; it's executing them. I think it's grabbing the headers, right? Is really what it's doing. It's grabbing the. It's just grabbing. It's not grabbing transactions. Yeah, it's really well, the, so the fast the fast sync distinction is the yeah. applying the transaction outputs right. rather than executing right. them. I think I would kill for this in, in Evmos, by the way. <laughs> Since every time, anytime, anytime I need to sync that, it's like you're moving at one point one percent or one point one times the actual uh, block <laughs> block time. So if you're back by. 10 blocks you gotta wait like two minutes type of thing well yeah, yeah and it was heartbreaking when they put out an announcement that it was suddenly fixed and i was like yes and it was not fixed and it if anything is worse which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is so emblematic right uh yeah yeah yep 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 well the good news is that it's uh on a little bit of a slow slide so oh it's oh it's at 9.3 cents shit 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 yeah so Evmos did keep us alive you know, last year, like that was the only thing keeping us sustainable for like three months. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how it works in this business, right? Like, like you have bumps of like different chains that take, the, <laughs> that end up becoming like the, uh, but it is a treadmill, isn't it? You have to, as a, as a validator, you have to basically constantly be chasing the new fad. Otherwise, eventually you're going to get rugged by time. Time rugs all in the end. Well, the issue. So I, I feel like, though, like, say, Schultze, your situation, right? And probably mine for a little bit as well with Evmos, is that you take some off the table right there. They keep you afloat. Are you now not obligated to run that chain until it fucking goes into the dirt? Yeah. Yeah. I would say to a certain extent, yeah. And to Evmos's defense, I'm more bullish on Evmos still than I am on mini cosmos chains like they've had issues yeah fine but i think that the team is still doing good things i think that they're still pushing forward i think they're still they're a very clearly in my opinion positive impact on the wider ecosystem yeah i think nolan and i were talking about this earlier this week i don't we can i can bring it up but like we do we will see more validators disappearing so 
based on the the time and effort that goes into the chains or based on the amount of dollars that they have to like we call it we call it like the nut right how much they actually have to make to be able to cover salaries and other types of things right so either either they'll shed those people or they'll shed hardware they'll do whatever they need to do to get down to a, a very um as low as they feel excuse me they can go that they can run a set of chains right um and then what i also think is that there's an endless supply of validators behind that i think an endless supply because Somebody would say, hey, I want to run this at a loss for six months until this chain rebounds. I think there is literally hundreds or thousands of people or companies that will run validators at a loss for six to 12 months waiting for a chain to pop back up. Right. So if if, I, if you don't think. Go ahead. I mean, continue, please. But okay. I, I don't agree so much anymore. It, and I, the reason why I think that that is, number that number is getting lower. Right. I think I agree with that. So. As for example, Axelar, like the buy-in amount right now is like a thousand dollars, right? Like, and Axelar is a, I mean, granted, it's a big chain to run. You got to, you have to run other things as it's well. It's a lot of stuff, right? But it's a, it's an, it's a really important chain, and it's, I would consider it one of the, um, one of the name recognition chains where you join that chain, um, and people are like, oh, well, they're on this big chain, right? Like that's important. Juno, I would say, used to be one of those. I don't know if it so much is anymore. True, unfortunately. Um, and a thousand dollars isn't that much. I don't know that. I, I don't know, but I, but I still see like a long list of valid, even on new chains that come up, you still see like a long list of teams you've never seen before. Right. So I think there is a, there is a, there is a pretty long, um, runway of, of individuals or groups that are willing to lose some money in the, in the hope that they're getting in early on something that will hopefully turn around. Right. What I don't believe is that the project teams have the same stamina. So project teams need to pay employees or they will go somewhere else. Project teams need to uh, be able to pay and be able to grow and they need to be able to in, in, be able to market and they need to be able to, like those are costs that even in the, in, in a really bad market actually grow because they're doing more marketing. They're doing more education. They're trying to be able to do more from a community perspective. And so what I would expect is that you'll see project teams start to deteriorate and eventually fall. Like not to, not to put on Cerberus, but Cerberus was an example of that early on where you had, I think it was like one or two people. Right. And they just fucking disappeared. Like there's, there's bared out because it had no value to it. And I do think that you will see over time that there are specific project teams that will have to crumble. And if that happens, then, then it turns into, okay, there's some value in this chain. Is that the, like who takes this forward and is there a path forward? And then people try to make it happen and somebody maybe steps in or whatever the hell happens. But at some point, like there's a reckoning, right? Like, so that's, that's my concern on some of these. They're, they're really I think you're just going to see how not decentralized in any way, any of these proof of state chains are for, through that process. Yeah. For- Cause you're going to see that none of them survive the loss of let's say two thirds, let's say 66 point six seven percent of the core team yeah yeah um is probably the magic number that needs to stay before the project no longer has any viability (laughs) um but yeah i mean and this is the thing with especially with the current generation of proof state chains it's hard to you know like fucking full full this is now the brutality hat let's put the brutality hat on what is that? Fully brut- brutality hat on. Oh, I have one of it's those. It's hard to feel that sorry for the current generation of proof of state chains because they are NGMI 
when the core team leaves. They have no succession planning and no ability to, which you would think would be a core technical necessity for any truly decentralized project. Which So the interesting thing about Cosmos, I suppose, is that all the chains are a DAO or a DAO, in inverted commas, at the heart of them, but it's a broken DAO. It doesn't work. And the interesting thing will be, okay, <clears throat> there's essentially two future models, I think, for these chains. There might be more because we're still early, but at the moment it seems like a, a better, more functional DAO is, op- is one option. And another option is going completely trustless, going fully the other direction where you no longer are taking finality as the most important part of that trio of um, distributed system requirements and instead go back to liveness like proof of work yeah. and whether there's another model like proof of work that can survive not only adversarial actors outside of the network but also essentially getting rugged by your own founders. Can you launch a chain? It will just continue. Um, that's an interesting problem. It hasn't been solved yet and like, and I completely agree with you that actually the group, the number of validators a lot some of these chains are going to become zombie chains just because of hopium Mm -hmm. yeah i would think so yeah Yeah, because the validator set's so small like yeah when you when you think about it like you know if if a if a a name recognition chain becomes completely unprofitable like you're never going to make any money on again Mm -hmm. let's say eventually the coin does converge on zero you would still get people joining as it is riding its final death spiral purely out of hopium because you've got like 150 validators you can find 150 suckers walking down the end of the road to the post office um it it just depends on the cost to run right and and tenement chains don't have a huge cost to run so if if you can do that in some sort of sense then i think you can yeah you can you can have zombie chains run for a long time but that doesn't necessarily mean the users are there or this is there and yeah people have and people have dollars or they have investment in that in that idea or they have a vision of what that could be and so therefore it's very difficult to to give that up right do you know what's interesting though i was thinking this about like you know when you say like cosmos chains are quite easy to run i think they both are and they aren't like there's some there's some things about them that are very easy to run like 13 hour downtime window Mm -hmm. on most chains that's super easy like you can literally turn off all your monitoring except for 10 o'clock in the morning 10 o'clock in the evening right just you could so in fact actually one of the things we literally have on our company phones is we have a round robin that does text you every morning at six so that when you start the working day you have a a, in a text message form a summary of what what all the servers what all the networks that we run are doing right and for cosmos that's completely viable like you don't have to check again for the rest of the working day until there's another text at the end of the working day because it's less than 13 hours (laughs) so like no matter what happens, you can't, if you're up at that first text and you're up at the second text, you can sleep, you can do whatever you need. Right. And, and, but then the flip side of that is that you can also double sign relatively easily through operator error through. So like last night was a prime example, the operation that we did, um, where we did some prep for it ahead of time. We had actually already done the same operation before on a test net and had a pretty high confidence that we could pull it off and it went completely to shit. And actually, if that had been a Cosmos chain, we would have been able to be a lot less decisive in trying to solve it because there would have been a really high risk of double signing. You know, we were running two full rigs of infrastructure in order to try and minimize the downtime 
when we did the switcheroo, which as it turned out, actually caused more problems than it it solved in the end. But I guess it's that thing of like it, it's sort of deceptively easy. There's definitely some there's definitely a lot of deep gotchas, I think, like any maybe like any infrastructure. Like yeah. 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 Maybe it is easy. I guess maybe it is easy I in mean, the grand scheme of things. I, I don't know if it's easier, but at least at least it's not. Um, I mean, you're not. It's not Solana, right? You're not. You're not spending three or four thousand yeah, okay, dollars a month, okay, yeah. right? That's, that's a fair. Like, that's a fair point. Like, like you Solana can, is really hard, and even if you're running bare metal, it's really demanding. That's like, uh, yeah, it, or or any other like similar to that, where you're you're having a pretty high outlay and cost, and so you could you could do it pretty cheap. I don't think you do it well, but you can do it right. So, and again, you have you have a pretty wide window of of incompetence. Um, and so therefore you can have 150 validators with different levels of incompetence who can keep a chain moving. Like there's no issue with that. Right. And, and, um, my, I think my point is just that, like, like you said before, like just the, it depends on what the community involvement is on a specific chain. It, It depends on how much, um, how much motivation there is to be able to keep something going. But I do think that the, the bigger concern here, at least in terms of bear market bullshit is, the pro- it's not the validators. It, it's the project teams. It is like, can you keep a team together that it's actually going to do something that's going to build and grow? Um, or is it always going to be whatever's coming next? And there's always a lot of what's coming next, right? There's there's a lot of repeat of ideas. There's a lot of EVM compatible chains. There's a lot of Cosmos and permission lists. There's a lot, like all these same, same things exist. So it's just like a wave of whatever the hell is coming next. And if you're on the backside of that wave, you're kind of fucked. Right, because you have projects that are there that can move, or you have projects that are not going to go anywhere, or you, have, you have right. people put that's, money that's, in, that's, and like that—that's I mean, the real issue. That's kind of the same for every old. Oh yeah, not, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't think that's Cosmos specific for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I wonder. I mean, it, it just—it does make you wonder. Like, if if this bear market does go on for another year, like how many of the old ecosystems will actually? I don't know about you guys, but like I've I found the other day I had some Tezos knocking around from God, maybe it was the 2017 run. I don't even know. Like it was some time ago, and I was like, ah, did that even recover in the last? Okay, somebody in the comments will know. Did that even recover in the last bull run? I think so. Maybe I can't remember. No clue. Wasn't paying too much attention. Yeah. No, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to know if the if the Gen One altcoins did recover in the last bull run, and I guess that maybe that will give us an indication on where the the chains and projects that survive. Because the, the interesting thing about your thesis, usurper, is that like obviously that that some core teams will collapse and not survive, and I think you're right. But the question will be whether projects that are essentially by that point zombie projects still get an uptick in the next bear, the next bull. Sorry, right. Because I don't think the average person, I don't know, do do people really do that much due diligence even on project teams? Like it feels like in Cosmos, certainly I don't think so. during the airdrop app, uh, season in AppChain winter, didn't do any due diligence, like getting airdrops and then aping in further or whatever. It didn't feel like there was a lot of. I, I think there's there's momentum investing. Momentum investing means like shit's going up. And I want to catch that, so I'm going to put money into something, hoping that it comes up. Right? That's well. I like that there's like actually a proper word for that's what it is. That's momentum momentum investing. investing. Meaning, like I'm not thinking about it. Like I'm not not looking at what the price is now and like what the potential is. Shit is going up. It's moving fast. I can put if I buy something now, I can sell it tomorrow. Right? And so I feel like there's less risk there. It's momentum investing, or that it's an airdrop situation where I'm strategically thinking about what's coming next and blah 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 blah. But 
but I think there is a in that momentum. If you if you have a lot of, in, in this in this cosmo in the crypto space, I think you have a lot of momentum investors. Meaning, like if somebody's going up, then they ride it out and they try to figure out where to sell. Um, and so the issue, which works, but the issue with that is that it's usually early in a chain's life when that's happening. And to get something now, it has to be like a a, a pretty significant event or some sort of some sort of thing that happens that really gets people involved back into a specific chain, right? Like like we're seeing now with with uh, Bitcoin and ETH and some of these other things that are going on because of the conversations related to that. I wonder if there'd be some sort of like dead man switch for upcoming Cosmos chains, right? So like, let's say there isn't a, a commit to their GitHub or a new smart contract in three months. <laughs> yeah. Like happened? should a prop just pop up being like, let's close it down boys. I feel like something that should exist. What like, like every, everything? Everything IBC is off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Machines off, everybody. We're done here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll put all the validators into into a big wooden crate. <laughs> an, old, an old guy in like a in like a long thing and a flat cap like bangs the bangs the nails in. Yeah, and then it's just the end scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. You push down a long aisle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I don't just mean the servers. I mean the validators. I mean, they, right. they just like, every guy comes to, to Schultz's bunker, 200 floors below sea level, bag over the head, extraordinary rendition. You're going to the government facility. Everybody's in the crate. Everybody's in the <laughs> You're crate. headed to the yeah. Titanic, son. Down. Here you yeah. go in a carbon <laughs> yeah. fiber tube. Yeah, you're in this. You're in this. You're in this ten foot by eight foot box with a hundred other validators and Jacob G. Yes, but who's looking at Juno right now? Who's looking at it? Top men. No, who top men? Sorry, that's actually that's actually factual. That's a raid. That's a ra- actually what the Juno Vegas. working group is. I'm a big Raiders fan, um, but yeah, I think, it's pushing I think down the top the... men is actually Rama. That's <laughs> Rama. Who's looking at it? <laughs> and, and Reese, right? Yeah, exactly. Indiana Jones and in real life yeah. and in Juno. Rama and Reese standing Rama. over the over the over the wood box, going, "Ah, fuck this." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe just maybe just let's just let sleepy just, dogs lie on this one. <laughs> one of them's holding the nail, and the other one's hammering it in. <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> you know what the only thing that could be—I don't know—is it too soon to make jokes about the submarine? Yeah, I mean, I did. So, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, the only thing, yeah, I mean, uh, so, oh, something, something, something sponsored by something, something altcoin, something, something. <laughs> yeah. Like you can feel, you can you assemble your own joke um, uh, around that. So, yeah, it's like, <laughs> is it just me? Or was it like hard to feel that sorry for a bunch of billionaires going down in a submarine? I felt sorry for the um, the pilot, I guess. Yeah, well, just I felt sorry like, for the submarine. I was like, man, that thing was probably kind of well engineered. Like, it didn't deserve that. It, it could have been like, like the mud like that. Given, like, yeah, given, exactly. Given the submarine props, I I did watch a couple of like videos post that whole saga, and so there was YouTube one videos. with there was one with the guy talking about like constructing it, and there was like a few short clips of like him talking yeah. about it, yeah. and he's like, yeah. Yeah, we've broken a few rules to build this. <laughs> and uh yeah, didn't like, he also go down with the ship as well? Yeah, he went yeah, he went down yeah, with it. The designer yeah. the designer was was on it. Yeah. But so actually, like, yeah, people usually make this out of titanium, but we're using it. Didn't that happen on the Titanic as well? Didn't the designer literally go on I'm gonna Google this now. I did I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that, actually. That's a good question. Um I well did, so like see, some, see this piece I bought this at Walmart. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah. 
<laughs> the sub itself, though, it had gone down several times before, right? So, like, fatigue. It, it did. Yeah, fatigue. Yes, it yeah. did. Yeah. And that's and the problem with carbon fiber. Like, for people that ride bikes, know that carbon fiber, like, it gets destroyed catastrophically. Like, it, it doesn't just break, it goes very brittle. Yeah. Plus, yeah, exactly. Plus, it had like a glue joint and shit. <laughs> oh, that's again, that's super, super common for carbon fiber, and the bonds can be really, really strong. But the point is that carbon fiber flexes like hundreds of thousands of times, like loads of times in its fatigue life, and then it goes bam and catastrophically fails. Right. Yeah. And this is the reason that Russian nuclear submarine hulls are made out of titanium, not carbon fiber. That sounds pricey. And why also the bike behind me is made out of titanium coincidentally sold off from russian stocks at the end of the cold war and not carbon fiber because i don't fucking trust things that might catastrophically fail when i'm doing 70 kilometers an hour downhill that's not a i thought cf was like the bike material now isn't that it like is the... it's oh it is but it has a five-year lifespan is what they say after oh, really? five years like you're just supposed to get rid of your frame no oh, shit in yeah. five years yeah. is a lot when you've just dumped fucking like what 10 grand into a frame yeah probably yeah. Well, you can get a carbon fiber frame. You can for get like a bit cheaper, two thousand dollars or so. The, but yeah, the, the, princi- the principle holds. I mean, the, the frame behind me is <laughs> twenty four years old and literally made out of Russian aerospace titanium. And I imagine it will probably outlast me. Um, so I had a friend uh, who actually designed his own frame and had it made in China out of titanium. And yeah, yeah, you can it. do that. Jultsy is currently planning on doing this, I believe. I'm curbing my own enthusiasm, but yeah, I'm trying not to. I even bought tires for it. I just bought some (laughs) some Chris King carbon rims. You're really curbing it, I can see. (laughs) I know, exactly. (laughs) I bought tires for a bike that I haven't even sent to China to be made. Chris King, that's that's classy shit. Portland local, so I was like, I should probably support it. Is it really? Yes, it is, yeah. I I have a Chris King headset. It's very good. Oh, nice. It's, it, it stands up to bad weather well, which makes sense now I know, Pacific Northwest. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking wet as hell. I haven't even opened the box yet. It's in my garage, and I'm just, every time I walk through, I'm like, uh, I shouldn't go buy more components. And then I'm like, uh, I should start checking for more components. It's part of the process. You just collect them for a long period of time, and then eventually you suddenly have all the components, and you're just like, well, this is happening. It's so almost takes a year, and you're what? like... What my mate By the way, did, what what my mate uh, did was he bought a donor bike. He bought a, a good bike that he liked with all the shit on it, all the fruit, and then he just got got the frame made, but he's by his own design. He even had like he even cut out like a, a his own logo that he designed and had it welded to the front as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, That's pretty cool. He he went pretty baller on it. Um, but yeah, so he just bought this like good. Donor bike secondhand took mm-hmm. all the fucking fruit off it and put it onto the <laughs> the uh, the new one that he designed and fucking loves it. Looks pretty sweet too. It's light as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Titanium is pretty cool. Titanium is pretty cool. Yeah. Of the pretty- of the eight million YouTube videos on this fucking disaster, um, the, the, you should the ones I would watch. Is James Cameron. Do you guys watch any of those? About him actually talking about it because he. No, because he re- he's a big fan of deep, huge, deep right? Like he he built like a carbon steel sphere that went down. To, I think he's gone like two or three times X this distance, right? He went down to what? The, yeah, he went down to like he's been down the he's been down to the the Mariana the Mariana Trench, Trench right? Which he's I think is like really the ocean twenty, which is why he wrote that it's um. So he's been to the Titanic because before Titanic when they did the film. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. no, because I think he built he yeah. built one of those for that expedition after they found he's, it or whatever. Yeah, he's been to the Titanic, and then he's also been to the the Mariana Trench, and that's where the Abyss comes from. You know, the film The Abyss, um, a, a pretty good movie till the ending. Yeah, well, but there's two yeah. endings, aren't there? There are. There Wait, are. What? Which which is the ending we're talking about being good, and which one's the one we're talking about being bad? It's pretty obvious which one's good and which one's bad. Wait, hold on. There's a second ending. <laughs> there is. There's an alternative ending that they made. No, there. Okay, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I, okay, all right. So, so okay. So, so before before we go on, it's just very important that I, I fact check the Titanic thing. The designer of the Titanic did go down with the Titanic. So that's that another way. No shit. That is, there you I, go. I had remembered that correctly. So it is actually a way in which the the uh, the um, the submarine going to the Titanic say, has a weird circular version. Of beautiful, the actually, a little bit, itself, yeah. which has the hubris of the designer resulting in the designer's own untimely death, which is is kind of yeah. History doesn't repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's funny. But the other thing as well is one of the guys on it was just described as like this, like an explorer or an adventurer, and he's basically like. A nobody until like in 2017 he shows up in the i think the uae very wealthy yeah and there's a wikipedia page and it literally has this citation that's saying like some expansion is needed to understand the source of his wealth <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i like you and hmrc are both asking the same question <laughs> my guy both the wikipedia mods and the tax authority are both hundred percent aligned on that one they all have a lot of interest in where that wealth came from that's funny maria uh, so maria trench is thirty six thousand feet uh it's a deep boy and uh the i think titanic says a twelve thousand or twelve thousand five hundred feet or something like that and i think they found that the remains of this vehicle at thirteen thousand maybe so it's about three x depth um Saying, are you saying that he went down there or he yeah, built yeah, yeah. a vessel? Yeah. No, no, he built really? a vessel. Yeah, the vessel. You could actually, there's a good YouTube video on this too. Right? So he built like a, I don't know what the what the material is, but he basically built a sphere, and that sphere is contained within a larger vehicle. And they went down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench with that. Um, so like, wow, it's a I pretty. Didn't know that. I mean, it's it's a it's a difference between dollar. This is a this is a dollars conversation. So Cameron's showing up with like thousand dollar bills falling out of his pockets right and we want to build something to go down to this and so they they build like a real structure around it this other one that this thing that just that just imploded was not at that same budget right like they were trying to do it in a way because like they were like hey we want to hire kids out of college and all this type of stuff and we don't hire these we don't want to hire uh you know naval experts and we don't want to hire submarine experts and that's that's a nice thing to say we want to get out of these old ways of thinking about it that's true that's one way of saying it the other way of saying it is i can't afford those people um, because you know, because there's dollars there, so yeah. But yeah, thirty six thousand. And, and to and to like you know, put this in perspective, like Mariana Trench is like ten thousand meters deep, right? Yes. The crush depth of most nuclear submarines is like a thousand meters. No, right? it's it's way less than that, right? It, it, I thought I thought the deepest sub it goes to like four hundred meters or something like that. That's what I was thinking it's, too about a thousand. That's like feet. the operating depth, but like oh, the crush yeah. depth. Oh, I'm sorry, the crush yeah. depth yeah. is like substantially deeper. Yeah. And in fact, it might be deeper than a thousand meters because it's one of those things that people haven't really tested. But yeah. obviously, the Americans lost uh, a couple of submarines that way. Yeah, I think almost all the Russian sub losses were in shallow water, like Kursk and stuff yeah. like that. They're in relatively shallow water, so they just bottomed out like 400 meters or whatever on the seabed. But I think um, was it Thresher and Skipjack were the two American ones that were lost and they both imploded catastrophically and then there was the there was the 
the Gomar Explorer one, which was, do you remember there was that one that the Russians lost and it landed on the seabed during the Cold War? And then the American, the CIA got like a, ex, an oil and gas exploration <laughs> ship and tried to pick it up yeah. off the seabed. And they actually managed to get about half of it. No, um, I didn't see that. I do, I do know the story of the of it's them. It's super illegal as well because that's a maritime grave. So it's kind of not the intro. The other interesting thing is at the moment there's a whole bunch of stuff about international salvage because there's a bunch of World War II ships that are obviously these huge battleships, loads and loads of steel, useful for salvage, right? And they're being hoovered up off the mm-hmm. seabed primarily by um, kind of dodgy actors from countries that aren't necessarily that interested in international maritime salvage law. They're doing it on the sly. And then, like, you know, the Americans and the British and, like, mainly the the kind of larger colonial-style nations that were involved in, like, World War II were all a bit like, ooh, they're war graves. And to be fair, they are war graves and they should be undisturbed. I'm not disputing that. But it is also just like, you know, you guys have disturbed a few war graves in your time as well when it suited you too. So, right. Yeah. But I guess it is commercial companies doing it this time. So that's kind of fucking lame. And also, I, mean, I don't know. It's <laughs> that makes it even more better because capitalism is really the only way to go. And full fledged capitalism, <laughs> we need to get rid of all of these regulations. We just, we just There's need time for the Fourth of July, baby. Flakes about these war graves are just That's right. Know, yeah, fuck it. It's, it's still tickets. Salvage. Let's sell tickets. If they don't hey, sell, should, it's bad. If they do sell, it's good. Hey, what about if we tokenize the this <laughs> illegit salvage? <laughs> we don't even need it. We could just use what well, is it, Iota, and be like. This came from this geolocation <laughs> beauty. Or By the way, two done. things. Uh, if nobody's seen Das Boot, a fucking awesome movie. You guys should watch that movie. Mm. You guys Maybe. have seen that? Fucking great movie. Um, also about submarines that are beyond their uh, crush. But is, it better, is it better than The Hunt for Red October? That's Way better than The Hunt for Red October. Dude, oh, fucking oh, Sean Connery doing that goddamn Russian accent. Are you kidding me? Oh, Das <laughs> Let them sing. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen Montana. I mean, <laughs> Sam Neill, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we managed to convince for a very long time. My, my wife, um, back when we were dating that Das Boot, we just kept referring to it as a comedy, like a German comedy. <laughs> and then not a German comedy. one day she put two and two together and was like, wait, 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 no, no, that's the film. The Har- that's the harrowing film oh. about the young, German submariners. Fuck, I love that controversial because it, you know, humanized the enemy. And you guys are treating it like it's some kind of like a.